Well, we are done with the disciples, the dirty dozen, 12 weeks. Okay, you don't have to clap for that. Okay, but that's awesome. So we're done with these guys, and we're moving on to a new series. And so it is called uh, Press Play because, you know, honestly, we've been, we've been kind of paused as a culture and as a church for a long time because of COVID, and we believe God is calling us to, to move forward. And so that's why it's called uh, Press Play as we talk about this for the next um, three weeks in the, the, this month of August. If you'd like to follow along with today's message, man, grab your phone, your device, Put, up, put the camera up there and take, uh, scan that QR code that's up on the screen. You can follow along with today's message. And I always say this, there's a button on there where you can actually get um, all of the answers just right off the bat. And so you can cheat, which is cool. Um, go ahead and you can do that if you want to. Uh, today's message is going to be awesome. I'm excited about what God um, has to, to teach all of us um, today. Now, I don't know about you, but I love going on mission trips. Um, we've been um, all over the place uh, in ministry. And one of my favorite places is Costa Rica. Is in... Uh, Central America, because everybody's like really short there, and so I feel really tall, and so I don't know if that's it, but but God's working over there. I, I love it, uh, but man, one, one year we took a bunch of teenagers over to, to Costa Rica for two weeks, and we were doing ministry, and we were we were helping out this evangelical Christian school build an addition onto their facility. And they, they needed um, foundational um, pillars laid for, for that to work. And before you could do that, we had to dig these holes on the side of this kind of hill. And in Costa Rica, man, it's just beautiful. There's jungle everywhere. But man, if you try to dig down, it is like just solid, thick clay. I mean, it's not like Oklahoma dirt here. You can't just dig, get your shovel and dig up a, a shovel full. I mean, you try to dig anything and it's like an inch, man. It's, it's awful. It's terrible. And for four days, we had to dig these four holes that were um, a yard square and six feet deep. And it took us the, almost all week to, to dig these holes. And it was worse. It got worse and worse because every day we would get down just a little bit working all day. It was rough. And we were having to like bail out all of the, the dirt. And then every day when we got back to the work site, we were under the, the water table. And so the, these holes would fill up with water. And so we had to like bail out all the water. These kids loved it. Okay. You're like, I'm never going to Mr. again. But anyways, um, so, so we, 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 we did this. And I remember I was in this hole and I, and I, just realized I'm literally like digging myself into a hole. And further and further I got down, I needed more help to get out until it was over my head, which is, that's not a whole lot. But anyways, um, you know, it's over my head and I just realized, man, I am digging myself um, further and further. I don't know about you guys, probably all the men in this room, there's been times that we've dug ourselves into a hole. You know what I mean? And all the wives, um, all the ladies here know what I'm talking about, when a guy, you're just like, just be quiet, like, just stop talking, you know? And I do this all the time. I was talking to my wife. I said, Holly, you can't give me a good illustration um, for, for this opening um, sermon about me digging myself into a hole. And she had too many things to say <laughs> that I just I was like, I'll just try to go with something, with something else. But we, we've done that, right? And I was thinking about the disciples. At the very beginning of their ministry in the book of Acts, they were doing some great things. But if you look really close at what they were doing, they were kind of digging themselves in a hole because Jesus, he had called the disciples to do something really, really specific. It's in Acts chapter one, starting in verse eight. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem 
in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And you know what that means, right? I mean, you got Jerusalem, that's where they were. So that's, you know, their, their people, their culture, the things that's comfortable, uh, their, their bubble. I mean, it's, it's what we, we like to, to live in and stay in and be in. But he said, hey, it's going to be bigger than that. You're going to have to go out further than that. It's going to be um, in, in all of, all of the, the surrounding areas, in, in Judea and then Samaria, which is even further. And we didn't, those are like foreign people into the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus called the disciples to do that, and they actually started doing that on the day of Pentecost when they were able to to speak in different languages, and they were doing ministry, and a lot of people were getting saved. Uh, And then Saul shows up in this story. Saul began to persecute the church, and something happened in Acts chapter 8. In verse 1, it says, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And so, man... God began to move his people out of Jerusalem, and he did it through persecution. It's just kind of amazing that God would turn something that's difficult and, 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 and uh, a tough situation, and he would turn that into something good for, for his kingdom and his glory, and he sent these people all throughout the area. But what are those last three words in that verse? Except the apostles. I was looking at that, and I was like, Okay, so all these other Christians, these new believers, they left. And they went out, they left everything. All their family, they left their comfort, they left their jobs, they left their homes, and they went out because they had to. But these other disciples, they dug their heels in. These apostles, these, the ones we've been talking about for 12 weeks, they dug their heels in and said, uh-uh, I'm not going. There's too much ministry here. There's too many things that I need to take care of. I mean, this is like... First Baptist Church, Jerusalem. Okay, we got to make sure we're we are on staff here. We got to make sure we're doing all the things here that God has called us to. And they, they dug their trenches. They dug themselves deep. And they said, we're not moving. And I don't know about you, but I sense that God is, is pushing us a little bit. Just like he began to push these, these early believers. Kind of like if you're swimming in a pool and you get on the, you look at that high dive, and you're like, man, that's not that, that's not that tall. You know, it's just, it's just a couple feet off the water. Well, that's like five feet off the water. And then you get up on the diving board, and you begin to inch yourself out there. What do you start to do? You kind of panic a little bit, you know? You get your floaties on. I mean, you're ready to go. You're, you're, you're ready. And if you have good friends, what do they do? Yes, they climb up on that thing and say, let's go. We got things to do, you know? And so they begin to inch closer and closer, and you've got to make a decision of what you're going to do. And sometimes your friends are just really nice, and they give you, like, the little, the little push, you know? And you, 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 get, you push off the edge, and you, you jump, and you feel like things are going to go bad, and you lay in the water, you're like, that was easy, and I can do that again. I feel like that's kind of what, like what, what God is beginning to do in our church, because he was doing that to the early disciples. He, even, he was kind of pushing them, even through persecution, saying, hey, you got to get out there. you got to do Acts chapter 1-8. you got to do the things that I've called you to do, but you're digging in. You're, you're not walking out there and stepping out there in faith and doing what I've called you to do, especially these leaders. These leaders said, Mm-mm, we're staying. We're staying. But God was beginning to push them. And I believe God is kind of pushing us a little bit. Because in Acts chapter 1 through 8, the disciples dug in. And then something began to happen in Acts chapter 9 with Peter specifically. Peter, 
the rock of the church, the, like, the head leader of the church in Jerusalem, the apostle to the Jews. I mean, if you had a calling, if you had a calling, that's, it's Peter, okay? And so he's like, this is my job. I don't need to go anywhere else. Um, I know you said, Jesus, that you, you want us to go throughout all these different areas, different places, and go to the ends of the earth. But, you know, it's really not talking about me. You know, I'm supposed to stay in Jerusalem. I got a nice house. I mean, I got the church. We're doing our thing here. And then something began to happen in Peter's life. In Acts chapter 9, He's doing ministry in and out in Jerusalem. And then he hears word of, of a situation in a town called uh, Lydda, which is about 20 miles away. So if Jerusalem's right here, the Mediterranean Sea is over here. He, Lydda's like 20 miles away. It's, it's kind of northwest um, a little bit. It's where modern-day Tel Aviv is. And there was a, a believer, and his name was uh, Aeneas, and he was paralyzed for, for eight years. And the, the people there, you know, the other disciples, the other believers called and said, Peter, he needs help. And so Peter, he kind of gets out of his comfort zone a little bit, and he takes this trip, thinks it's just going to be kind of a temporary thing. And he goes, and he, through the power of Jesus, he saves or he, he heals this guy. And this guy is not paralyzed anymore. It's amazing. It's incredible. Words begins to spread. And then, then these people hear about that Peter's nearby. And so there's this other town uh, called Joppa, and it's, it's actually on the Mediterranean coast, and it's about another 11 miles away. And they hear about it, and they, they call and send word to, to Peter and say, Peter, there's another person that needs your help. In fact, she has died. Her name is Tabitha. That's in the Hebrew. In the Greek, she has the name Dorcas, which is like the worst name in the Bible, you know. But, but uh, so, so he actually goes and travels there. So now he's like really out of his comfort zone, you know. He's, he's been, he's traveling a, a long way. And he gets there and through the power of Jesus in his name, Dorcas or Tabitha is raised from the grave, which is an incredible story. And word began to spread that these Gentile believers were being healed. And God was beginning to, to like redirect Peter in his ministry in the, the early days of, of the church. And I believe that God is redirecting Central. I really believe it. That he is redirecting us to, to, to shift our focus from just surviving, which has kind of been um, our thing for, for a long time. Just instead of being just a church that's just surviving and trying to make it, to being a church that's really thriving and like going full throttle, living for Christ. I mean, several months ago, back in January, we, we went through a series that um, is, was not my most popular series, okay? And it was a series on where the church is. And what's going to happen if things don't change? And we, we looked at God giving us a new vision. And the new vision is for us to be a church where Jesus changes everything. And God began to redirect us. And we've been talking about what that looks like. And that is kind of like um, our driving force for everything that we are doing. And he is beginning to redirect us just like he was redirecting Peter. Because Peter was like, you know what, I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I'm good with where I'm at. But God was like, nope. Buddy, I got something else for you. I got something better for you. So I, I, during the story, Peter kind of hangs out in Joppa a little bit, thinking maybe this is as far as God's going to take him. But something else happens. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Here's what the Bible says. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, who was a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. So at Caesarea, there's this 
there's this town, and it's um, about 31 miles north of Joppa. So you have Joppa up here. There's this valley called the Sharon Valley. It's about 30 miles, 31 miles um, across, and it's real pretty. You can go there and see it today. And then north of that is a town called Caesarea. Now, Caesarea was built in 30 B.C. by um, Herod the Great, who was the Jewish king, the, the Roman uh, Senate. They, they put him in charge of this area, and by 6 A.D., the whole Galilee, all that northern part of, of the nation of Israel became a Roman province, and Caesarea was the capital. It was, a, it was like a foreign city on Jerusalem or on in Israeli soil, and it, was, it looked like Rome, okay? So it had, it had all the Roman stuff, all the Roman architecture. It had a Roman fort there. I mean, it was, it was not a place that Jews wanted to go to, and there's this, this guy named Cornelius there. Now, Cornelius, he was, a, he was like a captain of of these Roman soldiers. So he was in charge of about 100 soldiers, and he made about five times as much as a normal Roman soldier. So he's a pretty wealthy guy. He's an important guy. And here's what it says in verse 2. It says, He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed continually to God, which is, I mean, that's a good thing. These, this guy's doing some awesome things. So he, but, he, but he wasn't a Jew. He was a good guy. He was a godly man, but he wasn't a Jew because to become a Jew back then, you had to go under the knife, like literally, okay? You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Okay? Yeah, okay, all right. If you don't know, just ask the person next to you. I'll move on. Um, he was a good guy, but he, he wasn't a Jew, and he was, he was doing godly things. He was giving uh, to the poor, and he was, he was going to the synagogue, and he was praying and worshiping. And it, it wasn't just him. It was his wife as well. His wife was doing the same thing, and they were teaching their kids to do that. So their entire family is trying to live after, after God. They're, trying to, they're searching. They're trying to do the right thing. I mean, I think about people in our culture. Like, There's a lot of people like that. They're just they're good people, you know? Now, they don't know Jesus, but they're good people. And that's where we find Cornelius and his family. Verse 3 says, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and begins to talk to him. So the ninth hour, that's about 3 p.m., that was the hour of prayer. And so I suspect that Cornelius was, was praying to the Lord, which brings, me up, brings another question up. Does God hear the prayers of unbelievers? That's a tough one. I, and does God hear the prayers of unbelievers? Well, think about it. Every one of you in here that's a Christian, at one time you were an unbeliever and heard your prayer, you know, and you were saved. So yes, he does hear the prayers of unbelievers. And we see here clearly that he heard, God heard the prayer of this man named Cornelius. Verse four says, and he stared, he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Okay, so God has heard his prayers. And he says this, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who's called Peter. He's lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who had spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who, uh, who attended him. And having re related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So God is setting the story up. It's going to be big, guys. Something amazing is about to happen. Verse 9 goes on and says, The next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, so they're, they're heading down through, through the valley, okay? Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. So that's noon, okay, for us today. And Jews used to eat um, around 1 o'clock. It was like kind of a late lunch. 
And so he goes up there to pray on the roof. Now, don't think of it like a roof with shingles like we have today. It was just a flat roof. And so people would do things up on top of, uh, of the house. And so he's up there by himself and he is praying. And verse 10 says he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And it's really amazing how God used his hunger to be able to speak in a, a real powerful way um, to Peter. And here's what happens. It says, but while they were preparing it, so the food wasn't ready yet, Peter's up there praying and he fell into a trance. And saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him that said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. You see, it was against Jewish Old Testament law to eat things that were ceremonially Unclean. In fact, you can go to Leviticus chapter 11 and you can read all of the different things that are, uh, that are unclean. So I'm going I'm to give you a little synopsis. I'm going to read these off really quick, okay? Here's what the Bible says for a Jew is unclean to eat. A camel, rock badger, a hare, a pig, anything in the seas or the rivers that does not have fins and scales, an eagle, a vulture, a kite, a falcon, raven, ostrich, nighthawk, seagull, hawk, a cormorant, owl, stork, heron, hoopoe, and bat. Any winged insect that has four legs, but you can't eat the locust, the cricket, and the grasshopper, which grasshopper, which is awesome, right? So uh, you can't eat the mole rat. Uh, who wants to do that? Okay, um, the mouse, the gecko, the lizard, the giant monitor lizard, the chameleon, the snake, and bugs with many feet. Those are the things you cannot eat. Sounds kind of crazy and kind of weird. It's like, like if a vegan went to a steakhouse. You know what I'm saying? And, and then there's no salad, there's no salad bar, and they have to choose a meat. I mean, he, he, Peter found himself in this awkward um, situation. And it, when, it was even more crazy than that. So you couldn't eat any of those things. You couldn't touch any of those things. If, a, if a, one of the, those animals died, you had to leave their carcass alone. If a piece of something touched that dead carcass, then that, that piece of that thing is, is unclean as well. So you got to stay away from that. And if a dead carcass falls into water, then you cannot drink that water. Anything it touches becomes unclean. And Peter found himself hearing this, these words and seeing this vision, and he really didn't like what he heard. But you know what? This vision is not about animals, and it's not about food. It's about people. It's about people. Look what God says in verse 15. And the voice came to him again a second time and said, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So three times God repeats himself and says, hey, Peter, I'm doing a new thing. And I want to reach people who are different than you. They don't look like you. They don't act like you. They don't speak like you. They live differently than you. Uh, I want to reach them. And he says it three times. Kind of reminds me of when Jesus looked at Peter at the end of John and said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He asked that three times. And then again, the word of the Lord says, are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? I'm doing something new. I'm doing something different. And I believe God is asking us the same thing this morning. I believe God is asking us this morning, are you with me? Are you with me? Because God is, he's doing something really cool at Central. Things are happening. And the big question for all of us right now is, not are we just going to wait in the wings and just hope things happen. God is asking us, are you with me? 
I'm going to do it. It's by my power. It's through my purposes, but are you with me? You know, in 2021, seven and a half months ago when we had that, that sermon series, um, things were not looking good, honestly, for our church. But through lots of prayer and relying on the Lord, things are beginning to turn around. Let me, let me kind of tell you about some of it. We've had 50 people join Central um, in the last seven and a half months. That's on pace for being the biggest membership uh, growth in over a decade. Our giving right now is at 110%, which is the highest and healthiest we've been um, this time of the year, as far back as we can find records for. We've begun to renovate um, the, the kids' ministry wing over here to plan for growth of new people coming into our church. And we're doing some other things, and those things are coming um, onto the scene here pretty soon. Our church staff is, is healthier and high-functioning than, it, than it's ever been before, and it's beginning to grow. And God is bringing people to Central. God is bringing people to our church. God is doing something pretty amazing here. Back when I had that, we did that sermon series, I put a graph up on the screen. I'm telling you what, people did not like it, okay? I mean, after the first service, usually people kind of hang out with me and talk with me. Like they, I was like a leper up here on the stage. I mean, everybody just, just boom, just took off to go to their, their small group class. And I wanted to bring that slide back up again. Here's our worship attendance, um, kind of about the last 10 years, okay? That's just, that's just reality. That's just the fact. So 2011, 2020, you can see on, in the blue, that's kind of where we've, where we've been, and that red, if you can see it up on the screen, that's the trend line. That's like the direction we're going. We talked about this. We, we carried that trend line all the way out. And we realized if things don't change, we have 17 years before we close the doors. And that's, that's difficult to say, okay? That's tough to say. So the question is, are you going to be willing to do whatever it takes to reverse that trend? Now, I just want to just clap for you guys a little bit and show you what has been happening for the last seven and a half weeks. That right there is our worship attendance, the last seven and a half uh, months, rather. That's pretty awesome. That trend, actually, we've begun as a staff to go, oh no, what are we gonna do? <laughs> like, like, how are we gonna fit everybody in here? When are we gonna go to three services? What are we gonna, like, I mean, we're starting to look, instead of like, how do we just not die? Now we're like, how do we actually continue this growth? And this is amazing what God is doing. God is doing something special here at Central. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. For some reason in the middle of COVID, he is, he's choosing Central to thrive. And I'm humbled by it. He's beginning to, beginning to revitalize this church for us to be the church that he's called us to be. And he is, he's done the same thing with Peter. He's saying, Peter, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing something different. Are you with me? Are you with me? Look at verse 17. Here's, here's what the Bible says. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that had that um, he had seen might mean. Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, they made the trip, okay? Having made inquiry for Simon's house, they stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Do you get that? He's, the, the spirit of the Lord says, rise and go. Without hesitation, go. 
And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cordelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, some of, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. So God was leading him, and God was up to something. And I believe that today, here at Central, God is up to something. He is up to something. Kind of scares me a little bit. Excites me every day. Like I go to sleep thinking about it. I wake up in the morning thinking about it. God is up to something. And COVID was no accident. COVID was, was awful and terrible and it has affected our church greatly. It has affected every church greatly. But God has a purpose for that. Even in the middle of that, he has a plan for that. And we've actually grown in the middle of COVID, which is amazing. But he, he has used even a difficult thing like that. He is up to something. And in your family... This, the difficulties that you're going through, God has a plan for that. He has a purpose for that. He is up to something. In the middle of your, your pain, in the middle of your, your loss, in the middle of your laughter, in the middle of your tears, God has a plan. He's up to something. See, God's word even, even says that, that in, in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of things that we think are bad, like COVID and the timing of right now, everything that's going on, when things seem like a disaster, when, when there is the pain of loss, when we have uh, consequences to our sin and consequences to our bad decision, he turns them, the Bible says, in a weird way, which I don't understand, he turns those bad things into something good for our good and for his glory. And God is doing that here at Central. He's, he's kind of like repositioning us. I don't know what sport you played um, when you were young or what sport you like to play now, but and I was going up, played soccer, and when, when our team would foul someone close to our goal, um, the referee would, would place the ball, and then he would tell the other team, wait for my whistle, and then he would count off 10 yards. So he goes all the way to 10 yards, and he stops there and says, okay, you guys can get this close. You can't get any closer. You got to stay at least 10 yards away. And so my team, we would, we would get up and we would, we would create a wall, okay? We'd create this line and we would, we would get all together and we're just, we're just ready and waiting for the whistle to blow. And this guy's just going to kick the ball as hard as he can right at us. It's really weird. I get it. I know. And we would just stand there like this, you know, like just protecting ourselves. I mean, because come on, you know? And so we're, we're there and the goalie, our goalie would be behind us and he would be, um, directing us and positioning us so that we could like cover half of the goal and he could cover the other half. It's just like, guys, move over to your left just a little bit. Okay, okay, right there, that's perfect. That's exactly where I want you to be. And that is like what God is doing. God is moving us and preparing us and positioning us for something big. But in order for those things to happen, there's some things that we have to do. Some things that we must do if we're gonna be used by God in a special way. One of them is, is we gotta be willing to say yes to whatever God calls us to do. You know what, that can, they can be kind of scary. A lot of times what happens is, is we don't say yes, we, we make a promise to God. We say, man, maybe later. Or when my life is just isn't crazy anymore, then I'll, I'll step up and do what you're calling me to do. But God is saying, you know what? You just need to say yes. I need to know if you're all in or not. We gotta be able to do that. Each one of us to say yes to what God is calling us to do. Another thing we need to do as a church, we gotta pray. Man, we gotta pray. We gotta be a church that gets on our knees and says, God, you do what you wanna do. We wanna be vessels for your service. We wanna be your servants. God, whatever you're calling us to do, we want to do that. God, move in our midst. We gotta be a people that continually go to the Lord and pray. Another thing we have to do is we gotta be unified. 
One of the reasons we're having a big a family meeting next Sunday night. You want to be there for this. And the reason we're having a, a, a business meeting the week after that is because we want to be unified as a church. We got to be all in together. One heartbeat rowing in the same direction. And finally, you know what? It's going to take all of us. I think it's really easy for people to come and sit in a chair or in a pew and just uh, worship and clap for that and hear a message. You'd be like, that was great. And then go to lunch. And that's like the extent of, of your walk with the Lord. But God is saying, you got to be all in. And it's going to take all of us to be all in. So if you're not serving anywhere, man, find a place to serve. If you're not doing the things that God is calling you to do here at Central or back at home, living for Christ, it is time to say, you know what, I'm going to do it. No no longer am I going to sit on the the sidelines because Christianity is not a spectator sport. God is calling every single one of us to do something for him. And he's asking us this, are you willing? Are you with me? Because I'm up to something. That's exciting. A little scary? but it's exciting. And he was saying the same thing to Peter. And he was setting Peter up for something that was life-changing and world-changing. Look what happens in verse 24. The Bible says on the following day, they, they entered Caesarea and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him, which is kind of weird. And Peter, but Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I'm, I'm, I too am a man. He's like, don't do that. I mean, I'm, no, I'm nobody special. I'm just like you. Verse 27, he says, And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered, and he said to them, this is what Peter said, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. You you guys know that I'm not supposed to be doing this. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Peter's saying God is up to something. No one is out of reach of the gospel that Jesus died for everyone, and that I'm not better than anybody else. That was the message that he, he went to this house and began to share. And Cornelius begins to talk and, and describes you know, what had happened and the vision and the things that, that took place. And in verse 33, look what it says. Cornelius says, so I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, get this, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded, commanded by the Lord. Cornelius is saying, Peter, we're here. Tell us about Jesus. We're here. We need him. You know, we have an entire community around us that's saying, tell me about Jesus. What they're saying is, I need hope. I need hope for my life. I need hope for for my family. God, God, show up in my life in a special way. And he's looking at the, people looking at the church and saying, tell us about Jesus Yeah, a lot of times churches, not just here, but all over the world, we're so inwardly focused that we forget to look at the people that are out there, the people that that need help, the people that need hope, the people that are looking for something bigger in this life. And Jesus is saying, go to them. Go to them. You see, we're we're a neighborhood church. We're not a mega church. We're not a multi-campus church. We're not a church in a big, big, um, big city where where people are coming from so far away. We are a neighborhood church full of people that live close by us. And our mission field is Owasso, but it's more than that. Our mission field is is small cities all around us, like Catoosa and Verdigris, Claremore, Uliga, Skytook, Sperry, and even North Tulsa. 
There's 90,000 people in that circle. 90,000 people. And if you break down those people into like religious groups, you know what the largest group is? It's not Catholics. It's not evangelicals. The largest group, 40%, 35,000 people is the lost. The largest group of people in that circle are not churchgoers. They are lost people. It's kind kind of crazy to think about. We are a neighborhood church called to our neighborhood. And I was thinking about, you know, when we, we, were, we started in 1963, Central, it was called Central because it's downtown, you know? That's just easy. You know, where is Central? Just go to the center of town. It's just right there, okay? So that totally made sense. And then in 2003, when we moved to this place, um, it wasn't as built up as it was. This was like the outskirts of, of Owasso. And there was a time when the church even thought about and looked at changing its name to kind of represent the, the, one of the, uh, the HOAs right around here, one of the little neighborhoods, um, like Preston Lakes or something like that. We were thinking about doing that for, for a short amount of time. We realized, no, we're just going to stay to be called Central. And the reason they were doing that is because like, hey, we're not Central anymore. We're kind of on the outside of town. But then I was looking at it and I began to look on the map at where Central is today. And if you look at that circle, we are smack dab in the center. We are Central to all of these communities. It's not just the Wasso, it's all of these places. God has called us to this neighborhood. So it's time for us as a church to not be okay with just being okay. And I believe that's what God is calling us to be, is to be different, to be a church where Jesus changes everything, to be the church for our community, to be a church that actually shares the gospel and doesn't just talk about it. You know what I'm saying? It actually goes and does that. And that's exactly what Peter did. Look at this last verse in verse 34. Real simple. It says, so Peter opened his mouth and said. They said, tell us about Jesus. Give us some hope. And Peter opens his mouth and begins to share the gospel. He did what God called him to do. You see the disciples, they had, they had, they had pushed pause. They had taken the remote out. And they pushed pause. You know how it is when, when you get interrupted in, from watching your show, the doorbell rings, okay, go to the bathroom, go to the refrigerator. What do you do? Take out the remote and you hit pause. We've been on pause for a long time, guys. It's time to press play. It's time for us as a church to move forward, to move past what's going on. So you know what? It's time for us to not just talk about it. It's time for us to do it. And that's what Peter did. He realized, you know what? I can't just stay where I'm at. I can't just stay where I'm comfortable. I've got I've to press play. I've got to move forward in the call of God on my life. It would have been easy. It would have been really easy for Peter just to stay where he was at. Stay in Jerusalem, comfortable. He could have just stayed there. He could have been the rock of the church. And, you know, maybe things would have been okay. But you know what happened? He goes and shares the gospel with his family. This family, this entire family gets saved. Okay, everybody in the house. Servants too. Everybody gets saved. They all get baptized. It was awesome, okay? The water was probably pretty nasty when they got done with all being baptized, okay? So they all get baptized, and who knows what happened? All of a sudden, Peter, being obedient to the Lord, all of a sudden that family goes out and shares the gospel with everybody in that Roman culture. And the world is never the same because Peter was willing to press play, say, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna do what you've called me to do. That's what he's calling us to do as a church, and, and the reason we're doing this ministry right now, or this, this sermon right now, is because we believe this fall is going to be amazing. 
We believe God is going to call people and bring people to our church like never before. We believe ministry is going to happen like never before. We believe people are going to come to faith in Christ like never before. That has been our prayer for months and months and months. And we're getting set up for that. We believe that this is going to happen, but it's going to take all of us not sitting on the couch with the pause button on, but us all saying, let's go. Let's go. I haven't been serving, but I want to serve. Haven't been active in my faith, but I want to be active in my faith. I want to do what God has called me to do. It's time for all of us to do it. That's exciting. So I want to call you as a church to be faithful to the Lord and say, you know what? We want to be a church where Jesus changes everything. And when, what, what happens, when, when that happens, here's what's going to happen. Look to your left and your right. You see those banners, those banners that say live for Christ, love people, and make disciples. If we actually were doing those things, things would change. Your life would change, your neighbor's life would change, this community would change, this church would change. We'd be a church where Jesus is changing everything. But it's gonna take all of us getting off the couch and doing what God has called us to do. So let's do that. Why don't y'all stand with me for just a second as we close. Man, if God is calling you to be a part of Central, to be a part of this family, man, I, I wanna encourage you to take that step of faith today. We have a little staff over here in our connection room. We'd love to talk with you about um, what it means to be a member here at Central. If God is calling you to, to put your faith and trust in Jesus this morning, and we'll be over there to, to talk with you and walk you through what it means to be a believer in Christ and surrender your life to him. Whatever God is calling you to do, let's be obedient to him today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today's um, scripture. Thank you for Peter and his willingness to, to step out of his comfort zone a little bit as you pushed him. And he went a little bit further and a little bit further. And then he was, he was in the right place that you had called him to, to be, to witness to an entire different culture. An entire family was changed. And an entire culture was changed. God, what would that look like here in our neighborhood? If we were a church that went out and shared our faith and willing to bring people in that looked a little bit different than us and acted a little bit different than us and dressed different than us, we're accepting to everybody. God, what would it look like? God, we want to be a church like that. But it's going to take all of us being all in. It's going to take us putting aside some of our traditions and be willing to hold fast to the gospel and make it relevant in our community and to share the love of Christ with people who are asking, God, give me hope. You've called us as the church to be that for people. So help us, God, this fall and beyond to be that kind of church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.